welcome to a radical discussion of independence, free will, liberty, and the left-hand path. This is Damonosophy 2.0 with your host, Paul Frederick. demonic outburst we just heard was my next guest mr christoph bathory of dawn of ashes hey christoph what's up not much how are you i'm good hey thanks for coming on the show of course i've been hearing about your stuff for years so um why don't you tell us all a little bit about uh, Dawn of Ashes, and where you're coming from as far as the left-hand path. Well, uh, when I first started Dawn of Ashes, it was back in 2001, and it was purely a, um, I guess, industrial dark electro group uh, based on horror. And then um, throughout the years... Um, the group has evolved. We incorporated. I, I've always been a more of a metalhead, um, so we started incorporating more of metal influences into the group. I mean, the the, the group has always had metal influences, but um, it, I guess it was more um, upfront later on. Right. So um, there's been a whole complete sort of evolution with with the band uh same with myself i mean i'm the main writer and the, the main face of the group so as you know i evolve the group evolves um so um and then you know these later years now we kind of incorporated the dark electro industrial back into the, the group and I got heavily into involved into the left-hand path, so obviously that started influencing things. So now, um, you know, all of my knowledge in the left-hand path is uh, definitely uh, coming out in the lyrics and in the artwork, and you know, even the even the band's name evolved with my left-hand path knowledge. Yeah, so I can I can identify with a, a lot of what you're talking about. I like to say that all the great left-hand path uh, magicians nowadays are also left-hand path musicians for some reason. And do you think, um, here's what I want to know, is does your music, you doing the music, the act of you creating it, you know, bringing it, you know, taking these ideas, you know, out of your mind and from your experience and translating it into lyrics and sound and stuff like that. Does that inform your your concept of the left-hand path? Like, do you learn about the left-hand path from the act of doing that? Well, I mean, um, always art is a form of magic. So, and I, I, you know, I never knew that prior into the earlier years but you know once i got heavily into heavily into the left-hand path and magic 
you know, I found out that music in general is a form of ritual. Um, even being uh, playing live is a form of ritual. I mean, you know, um, the I- Egyptians uh, used to use, uh, you know, ma- uh, musical harmonies to heal the body through vibrations. So, you know, you when you're playing live, you can actually feel the vibrations having some sort of connection between you and the fans. So, you know, the whole uh, subjective and objective universe, I feel like it's really, it really comes out in music. And I feel like that's why um, so many musicians get involved in this, because it's like it's it's um, the vibrations of uh, when you create music is so powerful. Mm-hmm. No, so uh, I agree 100 percent, man. I think like the vibration, the vibrations thing. I mean, you're really you're hitting the nail on the head there. And that's, oh, yeah. that's something that I think a lot of people who don't, uh, haven't spent a lot of time doing music, um, they, they don't understand that. They don't see that part of it. That I mean, that's, what, yeah. that's all music really is, is it's vibrations. And you as yeah. an artist, you're taking, you know, you're using your knowledge and skills and tools and everything to create vibrations, to make vibrations go out in a certain way and have a certain effect on things. And there's no, I mean, magic is not a material, or a music, it's not a material thing. It's not a substance. I can't hold music, but it's a real thing. Yeah. No one denies yeah. the reality of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie uh, Phantasm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh one of my favorites but uh you know the scene with the the, the tuning fork yeah and how much it affects like um those alien creatures and in the movie I, you know that definitely i feel like is relevant when it comes to to music it has such a powerful f- effect and like you know it's like when you you listen to a song you really really like and you get the the goosebumps on you and you get that like chilling feeling inside of you like I feel like that's just like raising such powerful emotions in you. And, you know, like uh, Crowley said, you know, like when you, uh, you know, through, you know, sex magic rituals, it it creates this intense emotions. And that's how all like the magic's working. So I feel like when you create something that has such a powerful emotional effect, um, it's it's doing something, you know, within and within yourself and the exterior as well. Yeah, absolutely. And Crowley, so Crowley, I think he's probably one of the first uh, Magi to um, record himself, you know, singing and chanting. You know, there's a, those recordings that he did on Wax Cylinder, and those have gotten yeah. all around, like, like you know, Ministry. I think Ministry was the first ones to, to sample that. Um, oh, yeah. On, like Land of Rape and Honey or something like that. Uh, but I mean, at this point, everyone's like sampled Crowley at some point. So I think he's like, yeah, I'm guilty of it, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you go into his books and he has like music theory. And I mean, you know, the what is it? Uh, his magic book. You, he has like, you know, you do certain rituals in the key of, you know, yeah, key of F or the key of A, you know, and it's like. So he, he understood how powerful, you know, music was when it comes to magic r- rituals as well. That's intense. So that's, uh, is that, that's in a, a, a magic and theory and practice? Um, I'm trying to remember that. It's the big book and it has like, you know, magic four and, okay. um, you know what book it is. I, 
I think magic in theory is actually in. Okay, yeah, that's like a yeah. part of like one of these like masterworks. Yeah, I mean Crowley wrote like so much shit that I mean yeah, it's just a huge, it's a huge like uh, uh, tapestry. It's a rich tapestry. But yeah, um, you know, exactly. I always think of um, you know, like the other two uh, magi that I think of and associate with music is um, is is Gurdjieff, right? Who did. Um, you know, he had the music, he wrote all this music and the movements and he wrote all this music with Thomas DeHartman and he talks really specifically about music. Like he talks about, um, the law of sevens, which is basically, you know, a, a transformational, uh, continuum that's right. basically like the octave, right? I mean, as, and as a musician, you already have a concept of it. You know, when you read those parts of like Gurdjieff, uh, study those parts of Gurdjieff, you're like, oh yeah, I get it. Yeah. Like a, that's what a, uh, you know. That's what a scale is, and that's what the half steps in a scale are, um, yeah. and all of that stuff. And then the other one that I, is is really significant, I think, is Anton Lavey. You know? Oh I mean, yeah, I mean, he he started out as a, you know, uh, in the you know the carnivals or the circuses as a organ player, so he definitely understood it as well. Yeah, definitely. And he actually put out. I mean, he put out some albums too. Yeah, I think I've I've heard some in the past. Yeah, which is pretty interesting. No, definitely, yeah. definitely a showman, you know. And it's like, I mean, that's that's a thing. I mean, people who don't understand, um, I guess, what we we're talking about, like the, the the connection of of music with magic, tend to like when they see that aspect, they don't see that aspect of Anton Lavey. They say, oh, they, you know, it's like they can kind of associate that with the. Uh, Oh, that's just showmanship and, you know, charlatanism. Yeah. But, you know, actually, no, that's that's a part of it. There's like some really deep lessons in there, not only in like listening, you know, to music. But if you can step over that, um, step over that fence, as it were, and you become the person who's like making the music, you're the creator of the music. It takes it to you know a whole new level. Oh, yeah, that's that's like the most powerful part. You're, you know, you're. uh you're definitely your own god when you're behind <laughs> behind your own music you know so and you know that's what the whole left hand path is about it's reaching that level so i feel like if you're when you when you're creating something and it's your own you're definitely your own god you know so do you feel that um when you're on stage i feel like um on stage it's like this part of me like it's funny before the left hand path i had a lot of like confidence issues but immediately when i got on stage i was like i just felt so powerful on stage and nothing could affect me like you know people get like what is it a stage fright and get super nervous i never got nervous i could play in front of thousands of people and um just feel like i'm i have such a powerful effect on the viewers so and I, I almost slipped into this trance and there you go like, like you know the magic trance I always slipped in this sort of trance where like the music was just kind of like affecting me mm-hmm. and all of a sudden like you know my most powerful aspects of myself would come out on stage so I mean like you know there, there was areas in my life where I had zero confidence but all of a sudden I'd get on stage and it just kind of <laughs> bursted out of me 
Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. The the feeling of, of performing music like that, there's nothing else like it in the world, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't I don't do it as much anymore with uh, Asmodeus X or uh, things like that. But I mean, during the times in my life when I was doing that regularly, it's like I had this, you know, I could have kept doing that forever just based on that, just based on that feeling right there. You know, I did. Yeah. There's, there's one. Sh- I remember one show, um, and it's when I was still in a uh, Morphine Angel, just kind of more of a, a gothic sort of thing. And this was like in the '90s, and we were doing a show. It's somewhere in Alabama, and and you know, it was like a decent size like stage, so there's a lot of room on it. Like during the middle of like one of the songs, I'm like jamming, and the lead singer comes over to me, you know, and he like puts his arm around me and he whispers in my ear, and he goes, "Man, I want to do this for the rest of my life." <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about, right? And it's, yeah. it's like that moment is just like, for me, it's just like a snapshot of my whole uh, love affair with music. The thing that I love best about it, you know, is just that moment. Because um, yeah. cause, I don't know, tell me if you felt this way. During that moment, while you're performing live like that, there's a sense of timelessness. There's a sense of like, you know, this is like where I am forever, you know? Yeah, and honestly, but sometimes it goes so fast because it's just... Uh... I don't know. The, the, it's so intense on stage. That it's just kind of like that moment of intensity just kind of fucking hits you and then it's all over. It's crazy. You know, it's funny like how I actually started. The, the reason I wanted to become a professional musician is uh, I remember when I was younger, um, I would before I would go to bed, I would put on my headphones and listen to like Pantera or white zombie and like kind of vision myself on stage performing that music and it would create this like this feeling in me and i consistently wanted to feel that feeling that i would get in that that state so i was like maybe this is something i want to do you know so that's why i kind of pursued it and so what 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 got you into so you pursued music initially and then and then you started to discover these other influences that got you into the left-hand path. Is there any specific thing that you look towards, specific event or, or influence that you receive that you're like, this is what, this is what led me on to the left-hand path? Um, so how I got into the left-hand path, I've always been very influenced by black metal, um, Norwegian black metal, um, even when I was younger. So, um, and then I, you know, when I was, uh, younger, I, I got, you know, a couple of books on witchcraft and, you know, I got introduced to, obviously, you know, everybody gets introduced to the, you know, the satanic Bible, you know, I started, you know, getting into LaVey's work and, you know, a lot of his, his, as a philosopher, a lot of it made sense to me. So I kind of followed that, and I, I've always been very anti-dogmatic religion, like because I grew up as a uh, um, my family um, were Catholics, so I was brought up in the the Catholic religion, and I, you know a lot of it was just like it felt very forced on me, and I just couldn't relate to it it stuck with me for a while and then i just kind of started rebelling against it because it just started it's funny because like my mom is 
came from the the Catholic side, and then my dad is an atheist. So it was, hmm. and they're they're both divorced. So um, <laughs> I'd had like two two people's like you know talking into my ears, right? Like know? like polar so, opposites. Yeah, it's like you know the angel and the devil on my right. <laughs> my shoulder. And for some reason, I always went towards what my dad um, was telling me. I'm not an atheist, but like it started making more sense to me about like some of the stuff he was telling me. So, um, and then when I was like a kid, I just got kind of bitter towards the whole like the whole religion. And um, uh, later, I just not only like I just got so much animosity towards different things and one of them was religion and um i never understood why you know and then it just led me into kind of digging into things and you know i got heavily like i said heavily into black metal and you know obviously that's a very anti-religious form of music but there were certain bands that like i would read their their lyrics and it really intrigued me and then um, I picked up the, the Satanic Bible, and then um, it was funny. Um, I don't remember. I think it was uh, 2009, 2010. We did a um, a photo shoot where we needed these like black robe, you know, the the hooded cloaks. So we randomly contacted this uh, occult website. And they sent us a care package with, with these, you know, ritual robes. And in that care package was all these books. Mm. And I ended up taking all, it was all these books and uh, sigil necklaces and everything. Oh, man. And I ended up taking all the books and getting heavily into reading the books. Later down years, uh, finding out that it was uh, Michael Ford. Mm. And I ended up, after talking to Michael Ford... Uh, I got heavily into the Luciferian path, and um, uh, um, I started this side project called Eurelia, which uh, was very based on the Luciferian path. And um, yeah, uh, Michael Ford ended up um, mentoring me, and I became a ambassador in the um, Greater Church of Lucifer for I don't know about a year. So it's been. So I've been very committed to the left-hand path for years. I've just been kind of like picking off the cherry tree from everything right now and learning from different orders. Right. That's awesome. So when you mention um, the uh, struggle between um, like atheism, I mean, that's like really awesome, like how your parents – well, not awesome. I mean, it's your life. You had to like go through it. But the way you worded that, that this created sort of like, you know, you have the devil on one side and the angel on the other, you know, like your conscience, conscience you know, and how mm-hmm. you kind yeah. of go more towards the atheist side even though you're not an atheist. And, you know, I'm kind of the same, you know. Uh, my father was pretty much an atheist, um, and I went more towards his side. And the rest of the family was like, you know, Baptist. And I went more towards his, his side, but I didn't go. But the thing, about, the thing about atheism is that atheism encourages you to ask questions. And atheism, it's okay to ask questions. 
And that's a bond right there, mm -hmm. you know, because the left-hand path is all based on, it's based on questioning, right? I mean, abs the absolute yeah. it's based freedom. On challenging things. Yeah. Exactly. To, to yeah. challenge. And it's funny because I actually took pieces of, you know, what I, you know, what I've learned about mature left-hand path practitioners is they can actually open a holy Bible and actually pick stuff out of there and, and actually adapt from it and not just be like, kind of like, you know, Oh, it's the Holy Bible. Get it away from me. Cause I have right. come across practice. I, I used to be that way, but, um, um, so anyways, I, I did learn from the atheist side, but I also have a very spiritual side. So I'm not an atheist. So this is where I've been at in my kind of walking down my path in the left empath is that I'm not an atheist because I actually believe there's something, mm -hmm. something doing something. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of atheists with left empath atheists, it's very just symbol. Mm -hmm. There's no real, everything is pure, uh, psychology. Yeah, exactly. Psychology. Yeah. Psychology, philosophy. And I'm more like, I believe that there is something, so, you know, I, I consider myself more of a, you know, part of the pantheon side or, you know, polytheistic side or, you know, and it's something I'm still, what I told a lot, there's like people who've asked me and I feel like it took me like almost a year or two years to get the philosophy down. And now I'm still kind of like figuring out what these things are that the spiritual side i don't know if that makes any sense to you but i'm like still kind of discovering things right now which i feel like it takes a lot of time to figure that out absolutely i agree i think it does take a lot of time to figure that out and i also think that the religious urge or the that spiritual um you know, sort of instinct or spiritual desire, that need, to, that 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 yearning, that questioning to seek things out, and 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 the, um, you know, the the feeling that there is something, there is a something to all of this, to the phenomenon of consciousness and everything. I think that that's like mm -hmm. that's all okay, that's natural, you know. And the thing, and and, and you know, and that's why, you know, I can go into, you know, the the new Testament and say this word, I think, you know, these parts of it are significant. I like this word super substantial. I'm going to take this out and I'm going to, and I see the meaning in this here because what made all of that stuff, the right hand path, um, the so-called right hand path corrupt and monotheism, uh, corrupt is because of, of the, the, uh, because of the use of force, because of the central authoritarian structure. I mean, deep within there, there's like some great ideas about, you know, um, about life and, and, and morality and stuff is all wrapped up in all of the religions like somewhere. But the reason they become anathema to so many people is because they got turned into a, you know, a central authoritarian system. And for the most part, most of them weren't intended to be yeah. that way by their founders. The exception, possible exception to that being uh, Islam, which was found, the founder of Islam was very, you know, 
very clear. No, we need to be an army. We need to be a nation state. We need to, you know, kill infidels and right from square one. But, you know, like, you know, Jesus, whoever that was, if that person even existed, but at least the stories about him, you know, he's some guy who like, well, he didn't fall in with the herd. He went off on, he went off on his own, you know, it's like, he's like, uh, you know, I've got to start, yeah. I got to go start my own band, you know, and he's go, going out trying to find people to be in his band, you know? <laughs> right. Right. You know, and it took me a while. So I've always held the, the bitterness towards, um, you know, Christianity and, you know, Judaism and all, all these religions. And I think, <laughs> I think like either this year or last year, I kind of, let go of the uh the bitterness towards the word god um and i feel like a lot of like satanists always have this like frowning when when they hear the word god it's just kind of like oh my god like you know Mm -hmm. it's their skins burning and everything you know there i feel like you know god can be something it's just not this thing that's you know putting us into slavery you know, so um, I just, I don't know. I, I find that just very intriguing about the um, how people view that word. Yeah, no, I agree with you. There's like just so much. There's been so much institutionalization and so much like programming and stuff like around the word that it's like hard to it's hard to use it. You know, um, because you just everyone has this association with it. But I mean, I know I know yeah. what you mean, and I and I do the same thing too. You know, it's like I, you know, especially when I'm talking to people who I know aren't left hand path, and I'm trying to make some kind of connection with them, and trying to explain, you know, you know, uh, that something is like really intense or really significant. Then you know, you want to use. I mean, you know, this you're a musician, right? You got to speak to your audience, right? So you got to take consideration mm-hmm. of the the people that you're talking to. Your audience, whoever your audience happens to be at any given moment, they're, they're, they have a certain language system that they're, they're used to. And so things are going to be more, um, you're going to get further with them if you use language um, that they understand. But it seems right. a lot of Satanists either go to one, one pole or the other. They either go to this, um, to an atheistic sort of side with things, to where, like you said, everything's just, you know, psych- it's all psychological um, or else they go to this uh, extreme theistic side where they just replace God with with Satan and they pray to him and you know Satan is my father and 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 all of this kind of stuff. But but I feel the truth right. is closer to uh, somewhere yeah. actually between those poles is where I feel like the truth is and that's where I feel inclined to. Yeah, I I, I can relate to that too because I believe in energy. I, I believe energy exists and. I don't feel like that has anything to do with heaven or hell or any of that garbage. So, and I feel like with magic and everything or, you know, doing any sort of invocations or, you know, it's just creating this energy. And I remember I was having a debate with a LeVay Satanist years ago because, you know, I, I told her that I was... You know, I follow like path, and we got to the whole like spiritual side and how I believe in actual ghosts and spirits, as of stuff I experienced. And she's like, "Well, you know, 
you're not a real Satanist. And I'm like, I'm like, maybe in your eyes, because you follow the, you know, LaVey side of things, but you know, there's so many different orders and sects out there that, um, you know, you, it, you just sound very narrow minded, you know, and I feel like that's very damaging in the left hand path is when you're not open minded. Yeah, 100%. So there's like a, a line from Crowley somewhere out of all the stuff I read from Crowley, which we already established is all over the fucking place. But somewhere he said uh, the fixed idea is insanity. Like that's the only like that. That's one of his sins is to have the fixed idea. And and I've always like kept that to heart. It's like you always have to have. And, and now uh, some people try and use that against you. Like they try, people will try and talk you into something that you don't necessarily want to do. And they'll be like, well, what? Don't you have an open mind? You got to be open minded. So you have to be judicious with it. But unto yourself to have an open mind to things is 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 very beneficial. I think it's like the best. It's the best way to go forth and, and deal with reality, which is. You know, something that's always changing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, I mean, there, there's even been, like, as much as I frown upon stuff that goes on in these dogmatic religions, say, even in the left-hand path community, even, like, lately, I've been frowning upon certain things, and it's just kind of like the war between who's right and who's wrong and then it's just like it just goes back to sounding like another religious war um and that's just something i've just been like like you know don't follow this because they're wrong and you know it's like i, I don't know it's just stuff like that just really i, I don't dig it <laughs> So, so let's like bring this back to your music and the work that you're doing as a as a left hand path magician slash musician. So, do you feel that like um, what you're putting out there is it is it helping to like um, like steer people or encourage people to go in a certain direction or to to avoid certain things? Is there you know is there anything like that going on in your music? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, so when I said I came out with this project, you really, uh, a couple of years ago, this is when the left-hand path um, knowledge really started to come out in my music. After that, um, my, or our fan base, Dawn of Ashes fan base, um, got really intrigued with the left hand path too and they wanted to know more about it and you know a lot of these kids uh, um, are very damaged kids and I know what that's like growing up and you know um, needing advice and you know looking at you know your your idols usually as musicians to kind of give them some sort of guidance through hard times so I've been seeing that, like my lyrics, my um, my work in the left hand path has really been uh, like intriguing all these fans. So you know they'll come to me and be like, "Oh, I want to learn more about this," and I'll be like, "Well, read this book." You know, I'm not here to 
tell you what to do, but here's something to start off with. And I feel like that helps them. And I feel like, you know, not in the past, I wouldn't give a shit about stuff like that, but I, it, it actually feels good that, you know, my knowledge is, you know, helping other people out, even though it's a path for myself, but it, it's definitely awesome that um, my fans are, are interested in it. You live in L.A. right now, but have you always lived there? Um, so I was born in L.A., but I grew up in New York most of my life. So I kind of been back and forth from California and New York. So you, you prefer L.A., though? L.A. is your home? Uh, to be honest, I can't stand LA. I mean, <laughs> but, uh, again, with the left hand path, you kind of evolve and my whole mentality, you know, years ago is different than how it is now. Right. Now I, I, I want to live on a farm in the middle of the woods with, you know, farm animals, you know, maybe it's cause I'm getting old. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. I share that dream, man. I share that dream. But, uh, but you like you like touring stuff, right? So you're going all over the place anyhow. Yeah, you know, and that's my social experience. So like when I'm uh when I'm home I wanna be around peace and quiet and LA has just been becoming too much for me. Um I think I mentioned to you that I I'm been sober for a couple of years, so mm-hmm. it's like um after that, I just like been kind of a home buddy and don't really go anywhere. So I'd prefer to be around nature. And, you know, as a magician, you know, I, I, I like being surrounded by that. And I feel like that's the best area to kind of do your work. It's just be surrounded by, you know, solitude. So there's probably not a lot of solitude in L.A. Uh, uh certain areas i guess <laughs> have you been through um have you toured through texas yeah many times yeah how was that uh people in texas love doa um and we're constantly asked to play there all the time i mean we we've done like south by southwest we played all you know one of my my favorite venue is actually in this in that church. Uh, the church uh, in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. What? What about? Have you ever made it down to Houston? Yeah, I played Houston and that's cool. A uh, other so where too. did you play? Uh, Numbers is the big club been, in Houston. Did you? So I wanted to ask you about uh, H.P. Lovecraft. I know I saw some H.P. Lovecraft. I, okay. I, I know the name has come up before during some of our conversations or in your music. So what is your what is your connection with Lovecraft? What is your what is your feeling about H.P. Lovecraft? I feel like I kind of left that out of um, when I was telling you how I got into the left hand path because I, I completely forgot about that. But um, after the Satanic Bible. 
I read a lot of H.P. Lovecraft, which I felt like was another gateway drug into the left-hand path. Um, there were certain bands that are really into Lovecraft, and so I started reading the books, and I'm a huge horror fan, and, um, you know, I, I like uh, Reanimator and From Beyond and all these movies, so after seeing those movies, I got I started reading Lovecraft, so yeah, Lovecraft's definitely... I actually have a, a bunch of Lovecraft tattoos, so he's, uh, he's been a huge influence. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and then I think yeah. I think you guys, I think Dawn of Ashes, you played at that Lovecraft's bar in Portland too, right? <laughs> yeah. So what was that like? Interesting experience. Well, I'm, we had a full band, which was, you know, two guitarists, a bass player, keyboardist, and a drummer. And I think you've been there, so you can imagine how... Uh, how that turned out. Yeah, it's kind of a small stage. And it's really high up, too. That's the other thing I remember about that stage. It's like when I was there, I was there uh, during the uh, Flambeau Noir uh, left-hand path uh, conference deal last year. And so right. there, wasn't, there wasn't really anything going on on stage. But I noticed it was very high. And I thought, wow, if you played this stage, that'd be intense. It's high and it's small. And if you well, have, to be like, perfectly honest, our drummer played on the stage. Uh-huh. We played on the floor. Right. And so your your drummer has, like, a full kit? Oh, yeah. Like, ridiculous kit. So he, it was him. We just, we played on the floor. Right. Well, I bet that'd be pretty awesome anyhow, though, because it's a pretty awesome club, man. I love that place. I love all the artwork yeah, and everything. It, yeah, it was definitely an experience experience i definitely like it there it's just weird to play there as a band unless you're i think it's good for a dj oh yeah that'd be badass or a solo act right if you're just like yeah. just yourself and a an acoustic guitar or something like that that'd be pretty cool yeah yeah and then they had that like coffin nailed in the middle of the stage so that was another thing that prevented us from being able to play on the stage is that this giant coffin was bolted into the stage whoa i don't remember that yeah i don't know maybe if it was there or maybe I, it, it's possible i i just didn't notice it because i was most definitely uh from the experience in an altered um state of of consciousness so now i also want to ask <laughs> i heard that once you got you got cut during a show for god bashing Oh, I, I've been banned from a lot of shows. Um, I guess that experience was in Kansas. Uh-huh. Oh. So, yeah, I was saying something, and they cut the, the set short. And they never wanted us to play back there, so. I mean, <laughs> but that's rock and roll, you know? Like, um, but it's happened multiple times, I mean. I just do my thing on stage. Oh, that's awesome, man. I mean, I think you'd consider that a sign of success if you get cut in a place like that. Yeah, you know. It's like uh, Jim Morrison, you know. Yeah. Got in trouble for a bunch of crap, you know, so. I see it as a form of success in a way. Absolutely. 
So tell us about uh, what's going on uh, next. You've got a new album coming out, right? Right. So let's talk about that. It's uh, on uh, Metropolis? Yeah. Cool. So tell us about it. What's it, what's it going to be like? Well, our most popular album, which was our second album called The Crypt, Inje- Crypt Injection, um, we've had a lot of demands to do the dark electro thing again, and, and everybody raves about that album. So we're, we're releasing the second chapter of that album. Uh, so it's the Crypt Injection 2, non-surveum, which is the term that uh, Lucifer said to God about not bowing down or, you know, not serving him. So the, the album is barely... When I was actually writing the album, um, because the album means injecting death, so actually, you know, I was figuring out a way to kind of throw in the horror back into... Um, the music with um, without losing the whole you know inspiration from the left hand path so I wanted to throw in all the, the real horror that's going on within our society right now so a lot of the out songs are very angry subjects about um, you know how this era is in our society and you know, being in America, how how corrupted America is right now. Um, obviously, you know, I don't know what side of things you are on, but um, I'm not exactly a Trump fan. So, um, yeah. So, and while doing that, I've been working in a magic order called the Dragon Rouge, which I've been working with the. Uh, tree of knowledge so you know that's the the tree of death or death so i kind of incorporated that into the artwork and the lyrical concept of the album so obviously it has 11 tracks which um you know the the tree of knowledge has 11 uh anti-worlds so kind of tried to incorporate that into the album so everything kind of ha- ties in with that and um, just ver- the, the subject of anger and how anger is a very powerful uh, form of emotion. And when you, it can be destructive, but also creative. Yeah. So, so for the record, I'm not on uh, any side, you know, politically, um, but I agree with you that there's just a horrible amount of uh, corruption um, and, 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 and evil, you know. Uh, I call it, I'm, I'm left-hand path, and I basically worship Satan, but the, I, can, I can see evil, you know. I can identify evil when I see it. There's different it. types of evil, you know. Right. There's, a, uh, there's, there's ignorance of humanity, which is a form of evil, and then there's, you know, metaphysical evil which i feel like that's more of what we're on mm-hmm. um but i try to keep my opinion about my political opinions out of things but it's not even just that it's that we've kind of de- devolved as a society and i think i mentioned this before but i think i mentioned it to you before before we had this interview was um, I feel like 
Donald Trump being in office needed to happen because I feel like it kind of awakened something in people, gave someone to fight against something. And that was my whole sort of concept with anger is that, you know, anger creates a fire in you, something you can fight against. And now all these people have something to fight against. The only problem is that it's created such a um, political separation against people where people don't even know what they're even talking about anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, uh, especially uh, Trump fans, some of them are so blind with what's going on and they, they just are in this fantasy world that they want to see this, this guy do something right. But he's not. And um, it's just causing all this ridiculous amount of separation against people. But, I mean, at the same time, it's also creating this fire inside everybody. So it definitely has its darkness and its light. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, different. Uh, you know, you know, in a left-hand path, it, it has to do with light and darkness. And I feel like um, that's coming out of people right now. I feel like we're in, and also the other thing, I mean, with the, uh, what is it, the satanic temple, you mm-hmm. know, putting up the Baphomet statues everywhere. Now, like, like, you know, Satanism is actually becoming more relevant in society right now. And I feel like, uh, I think <laughs> it's the right time for me to write this type of album. Yeah. You know? I think I'm, I'm, I, I wrote this album at the right time because every subject that I'm talking about has to do with what's going on right now. Uh, absolutely. I mean, there's something very different that's happening um, with society on a, on a greater scale. And, you right. know, and I'm like you. It's like I don't want to be political, you know. I don't aspire to be political. I don't think anyone, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't, but the problem is, is now it's like the, um, the presence of the state, you know, is more in our face really than ever before. You know, yeah. it's like the, the, yeah. the state used to be such this thing that you just didn't see every day when I was like, you know, growing up. But now it's like, you just, you encounter it like constantly, like every right. day. And so it's like, I mean, you just have to live in a vacuum not to have some kind of of response to it. Um, and, you know, it's like I, I think one thing that that Trump, like you said, you know, maybe there's some aspect in which, you know, our society needed this is that it's it's hopefully I, I like to think it's making us aware that it's just not possible to have like one one guy have this much authority over everything over what has basically become an empire you know because that's another problem too you know um are you into um are you into philip k dick i'm not familiar he's a he wrote uh blade runner and he wrote uh oh really yeah yeah he's a guy who wrote blade runner and and uh blade runner is one of my favorite movies yeah yeah okay so he was in the sixties in the sixties and um lots of like consciousness stuff, but he wrote another book called uh Valise, which stands for um uh, if I can remember vast 
active living intelligence system, I believe. Hmm. But one of the things he says in that book is he says, and his, the main character in the book is kind of like alternating between timelines. He's like a one timeline where he's a, a Gnostic living in the days of Rome. And then he's going through this other timeline where he's, you know, basically a, a hippie hanging out in the 60s with, with, with people who are like doing drugs. And mm-hmm. the, one, one of the statements that he, he makes is that uh, uh, the empire never died. The empire never died. And it's like this statement, it, it, it applies to his, his ancient Rome timeline and applies to his current timeline. Gotcha. Um, and I think it's relevant now. But the thing is, is he wrote this in the 60s. I mean, this I know, is like, yeah. it's like pre-Nixon or anything, right? And at that time, he was like, well, this empire is out of control. And it's like, well, what would he think today? When, you know, you know, America has like a military presence in, you know, how many different countries, you know, it's like ridiculous. We have boots on the ground in all these other countries. And now we're relying on like one, one guy to get up and he, he's the, he's the man over this whole empire. And it's like, you know, something's right. got to happen. It's got to break. It can't continue. Something's going to like, you know, it's, it's all going to like come tumbling down at some point. It just has to. It's fun. It's funny. Cause I, um. I thought that um, we're living in, we're actually living in the sci-fi movies that I enjoy. And I was watching like um, the movie They Live. Yes. Oh God, yes. I'm like, we're we're in that movie right now. Yes. Like uh, we're in Escape from New York. All these movies that like John Carpenter wrote. Like I'm like, man, it's so relevant right now. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And it's it's pretty sad you know it's like and one of the, the issues is like um for the past couple of years i've been kind of like just at a very uh kind of zen place where i just don't, don't want to deal with society i kind of just go in my my home and escape everything mm-hmm. but like ah, man I just became this like bitter old man that just cannot stand the era we're living in right now. And I, that was the other reason I needed to write this album is because I needed to just kind of like, I had so much animosity towards just how things are right now. I I just don't get it. Like, um, you know, I was on Facebook and I saw kids doing the Tide Pods or eating the Tide Pod bullshit. What the fuck is that? I'm like, that, is this real? Is, am I dreaming? Because this is fucking ridiculous. No, it's you fucking know? real. That's what kids are doing like, now. They're eating Tide Pods. I don't yeah. understand. I don't. I don't. I don't get it. So like shit like that, and like, it's like anything they can. It's like, honestly, social media has been, become. The, you want to talk about God? Social media has become God because it controls fucking everything. It mm-hmm. controls how people act. Everybody's trying to do something to get attention on there, so they'll do. It's like it's it's like a sci-fi fucking movie. It's like something you'd see out of like Demolition Man or some shit like that. You know, like yeah. everybody's doing whatever they fucking can do to get some sort of attention on these these sites. And it's it's really sad to like I mean we'll go to any measure to 
get a couple of fucking likes on on Facebook. Yeah. And I just don't get it, you know? Like, when I was younger, I would be out playing in the fucking woods and shit, you know? Like, exploring. (laughs) I wouldn't be, you know, eating fucking Tide Pods. Right, no. It's... (laughs) It's fucked up, man. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. It's like, it's like, uh, so, sh- and I quit, I, I quit fucking Facebook too. I quit Facebook. I think I told you that like, um, going on, going on a year here soon. And, 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 you know, I'm like, you should be proud of yourself. <laughs> I am. I'm proud of myself. And it's like, you know, I and mean, people tell me, well, why did you do that? You need to like promote like the, your podcast and, and stuff. And I'm like, well, you know what? It's not worth it to me. Um, because there's just too much like bullshit on there. There's just too much bullshit. Um, and it, it, it really creates a collectivist, total collectivism group think, you know, and, and no one thought that about, I mean, when, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm of, I'm of the age that when I, you know, there wasn't social media around when I when I was born and coming up in the world and even at the at the time when I was doing music in the '90s and stuff there wasn't really there wasn't social media um, mm-hmm. there was like um, there was like um, you know at, at a certain point there was like email and there was like online there were, I remember people were talking about online webzines and stuff like that yeah, we, we didn't and, even have cell phones we had fucking beepers yeah and then and then we'd have to go to a payphone. Right. No, man. I don't even remember. I use it, but I'm still relying on my cell phone now. And mm-hmm. see, I said that and I checked my pocket to make sure it's there. Um, yeah. But, you know, in the 90s, I used to go on tours with Morphine Angel and and we no one there was no cell phones. You called. Mm-hmm. Right. You called people. I You sat on a phone. You ran. You had they charged you extra money for long distance back then. So that's it. If you're in a bad touring bad. You're like running up this horrible like phone bill at home and you yeah, you'd like, you know, you drive to town, you ask people for directions, you call on a pay phone for the clubs, which you know there's no one there, you know, you get into town, there's no one there until maybe someone shows up at five PM, you know, so you're right. just stuck hanging around outside. But it's like amazing. I don't understand how we even found our way around, you know. I think that's what the the awesome thing back then and um you know, part of the left-hand path is about um, chaos, mystery, and everything. Back then, there was so much mystery. You'd be like, if you went out and started going off in the woods, no one would know you were out there, and you had no way of fucking getting a hold of anybody. Yeah. And I think that was kind of like the um, the great. It was great because no one knew where you're at. No one knew shit about you. You know, your shit wasn't blown up all over the Internet. Like... I'm not saying, you know, uh, the internet has really positive sides to it, but it's like, um, I wrote a song on the, on the new album called, uh, slaves to the addiction. Uh-huh. And it, it has to do with, um, every single person has some, something they're addicted to everybody. Yeah. Everybody has some sort of thing that they're slaved to. And um, social media has become an addiction. It's like a lot of these people are addicts to to these these sites. Yeah, and I I, I have to be on it because you know just like you're saying, I, I it's the only way I can promote my 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 music now. So I one of the biggest struggles for me right now is like um, 
you know, I've seen bands kind of do these things that I would never fucking do. Like they're kind of like dumbifying themselves down to what these other people are doing in order to get people's attention. I won't do that. So I'm at this like place where I'm like, you know, like there's all this blockage on Facebook where, you know, people aren't seeing my shit. And I'm like, what am I going to, what am I going to do to strike, to make people see what the fuck is going on? And I'm like, I'm not going to dumb down to that level and do something fucking stupid just to get attention, you know? So that's where it's been a a headache, you know, like uh, the, I don't know. God, one of the stupidest things I've seen is that, um, that catch me outside, cash me outside girl. You know what I'm talking about? No. What is that? The disrespectful chick that, went on one of these like talk shows and you know she was just you know she looked like something out of jerry springer and um (laughs) she was just this disrespectful fucking 13 year old who was mouthing off to her mom and she ended up getting a a record deal and um getting like over a million dollars oh yeah just but and i'm like what yeah, I'm I'm like draining my blood writing shit and like you know, no, no, you know what? You know what? I gotta get in so much trouble for this, but I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it right now. Men are discriminated against in the music industry, you know, because women, a, a little girl like that, can come in and throw a big throw a big fit or come on like you know and and you know, uh, show off some titty or whatever, and she's gonna get a record deal like that can be a star the next day but you know guy like you you're gonna have to bust your ass and work real real hard you know what i'm saying yeah i mean i I don't really think it has to do with gender i think it has to do with the dumbest you can be it has to do with it it doesn't have to do with like i was thinking about it's like i can post the most intellectual thing that will help people and no one gives a shit i post something stupid as fuck and it will just blow up. Yeah. And that's what I've been, I've been saying. And I'm like, I can't deal with this anymore. Yeah. And man. the problem with me is the problem with me right now is that I, I in the left hand path, you know, anger becomes destructive, but it also becomes creative. This is my exactly. And I've always been a very angry person who frowns upon society. So I've been trying to been like, you know, I need to evolve and kind of push society to not um, affect, you know, me as a left-hand path practitioner. And, and lately I just can't. I'm so fucking pissed at how um, shit is right now. Uh, and it's, uh, man, it's hard. So it's just like we got to talk about this. We got to talk about <laughs> anger. We got to talk about you know, we got to talk about your anger, man. Yeah, I know. It's like we therapy think, right now. Christoph, we think you need anger management. I probably do. <laughs> so anger. So look, uh, we were talking about this before. We were talking about anger and the energy and, and, and black magic and black magic and using energy and everything. And, right. and, 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 you know, but the sex pistols said like anger is an energy. And so, so how do you Rage use against that? the machine? Rage yeah. against the machine said anger is a gift, and that's always stuck by me. And you know, there was uh, 
a point in my life where people are like, oh, man, you got to not be so angry. And I refused because I felt like it was kind of a survival instinct for me. Like, um, it, so what, what I've learned from the left-hand path is that I, you know, I work with demons. I have these demons with me all, all along, but they were, they were not tamed and now that I, in the left-hand path, I've actually tamed everything and everything's on a leash. And now I'm utilizing it towards my personal growth. So, and that, that's how anger is. But, I mean, lately, like I said, it's just been throwing me off just how things are. But, um, like I said, with people with this fire inside them, they're using this, this, this aggressive force towards their advantage you know they're, they're fighting for something they believe in you know and that's where i feel like anger is important mm-hmm. and you should you should never um you know try to ignore an emotion that's dangerous and you black magicians know that that's the most dangerous part about magic is that you are bringing everything out yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like the the practice of uh, initiation and and black magic and and looking into the self. It's like you know you see a lot of stuff in there, and then what happens is you start to magnify a lot of the things that are in there. And so some mm-hmm. of these things that are like maybe because everyone has everyone's everything, right? Everyone has like good good qualities and everyone has bad qualities right but the whole point is with um with with black magical initiation is is you want to like look inside and you want to find the good stuff right you want to magnify what's like what's good and you also have to see everything that's bad in it you have to understand everything that's in there because if you don't understand the bad things in there then those can get magnified also without you even being aware of it and you can also, I mean, I, I like to use fire as a metaphor as the left-hand path because fire, um, you can use it for very positive things, but it can also, you know, you can cook your food with it, but you can also burn your fucking house down with it. So um, the problem with a lot of the, um, some of these, I guess, white light spiritual uh, movements is they try to like shut out the darker sides of, of things and um, the negative emotions. And you know that you have to have a balance. You know, Crowley said you have to have a balance of feminine and masculine energy. You have to have a balance of light and darkness. Um, you have to have a balance between positive and negative. Mm-hmm. And what you kind of, shut one of them out it, that's what becomes dangerous and um that's why i feel like people cannot shut out anger it's mm-hmm. important and it's just when it becomes toxic you know um i think that that goes with anything is when you you abuse something anything you abuse is, is gonna turn to shit you know yeah so uh lave talked about the difference of uh indulgence uh, versus compulsion. Um, 
when you become a slave to whatever it is, whenever, right. the, whenever it uses you. So it's like with anger, it's like when the anger starts to use you, when it consumes you and starts to lead you, that's when it becomes like um, deleterious, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. When it, you know, anything that's, you know, that's the difference between the left and the right hand path. The right is when you become a slave to something and uh, the left hand path is when you become independent uh, of something. So if you're yeah. able to take something and control it, on, control it and use it towards your own benefits. Yeah. Um, it's, it's when you are a slave to something and kind of dependent on something. And that's what I'm what I've been mentioning about, you know, how everybody has their everybody has their own addictions. But if you can recognize that and um, learn from it, I think that's what's that's what's important. Yep. Hundred percent. All right, man. Well, um, let's uh, check out your video, huh? Okay. So we're gonna check out. Uh, this is called "Poisoning the Steps of Babel." You want to tell us a little bit about this? Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty funny because we're about to release a new music video in October. So I, I wrote that song. That song also has sort of kind of a political aspect because I wrote that song um, based on the fact that um, we as Americans use the term God bless America even though a lot of these religions came from the, you know, the Middle East. So we're consistently, there's all these wars and shit, and we're over there trying to fuck everything up over there. So it makes us just look like hypocrites because, um, you know, and especially Americans, some racist Americans hate on Muslims and everything, even though, like, the religion that we're following here comes from their country, you know, so it's kind of where I kind of based the concept of that, that video. But uh, a funny thing about that video is there is a particular scene that I really wasn't a fan of because as a black magician, real uh, modern black magicians are against animal cruelty and Absolutely. I'm very much against animal cruelty. So there's a scene, which is a, I feel like it's more of a voodoo scene than a black magic scene is when, two female nuns are writing the uh, goetic symbols, the sigils in animals' blood on the, the walls. And I feel like that was like the director, it was more of like a horror kind of, you know, aspect, which it's cool, but I, I've been questioned about that. Like, you know, you sacrifice animals because you're a, a sorcerer. I'm like, no, nothing to do with that. Yeah. So that's an interesting part of the, about the video that I, um, when I did the, the following video and I was talking to our director, I was like, none of that bullshit again, because that just doesn't make sense in my mind. Yeah. No, I hear so you, anyways. man. Hollywood, <laughs> Hollywood always like, uh, they, they Hollywood it up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which I was just kind of forced into it. But I mean, it, it, it still looks cool. I mean, but, you know, whatever. Oh man, that just reminded me. Have you seen that? Um, you've seen that movie. I know you've seen this movie because I saw you tweet about it a little while ago. Hereditary. Um, yeah, Hereditary. What did you think about that? 
it's the best modern horror movie that's come out since yeah. the witch yeah i agree 100 percent. why you t- tell me why though because uh they were very knowledgeable about the goetic magic and it was funny i was watching the movie okay let me let me let me kind of go backwards so i went to a couple oto meetings okay um just kind of want to learn more about sure crowley's uh, crowley's uh you know influence in the oto but one of the the the, the priest came up to me he's like man have you seen hereditary it's I, I went to the movies a thousand times and saw it or some shit. And I'm like, nope. So I finally, I was like, man, this guy hyped this up. And I'm a huge horror fan. And I don't really like a lot of modern horror. But, like, they've been coming out with more great horror movies lately. And I'm like, man, people are getting it now. So anyways, I bought the movie. And I was, like, watching the movie. I'm like, what is that symbol? I know that symbol, that sigil. And then I kept seeing... Uh, the mantras on the walls i'm like all right finally like at the end of the movie when they i mean i don't want to ruin it for anybody but oh go ahead when they mentioned when they mentioned the name uh-huh. i pulled out one of my books and i'm like one, actually one of the books i work from i'm like oh that's that i yeah. knew that symbol so i was like man whoever made this movie knew what they were talking about which made it awesome yeah everything like they knew the description of the demon and everything yeah no the same thing man we're i was you know i watched it with my wife and you know we're about halfway into it we're seeing the symbols and stuff like that and and you know at a certain point we're like is this is this a goetic movie you know and then it goes through to the end and you're like fuck it what it's fucking straight up It, it really was and it was like really surprising i've never seen a movie be that uh spot on on. yeah Yeah, i know and um the last movie i thought was like that was the witch and some people disagree with me about but it was actually made by the same people did the witch okay like oh that makes sense okay you know like the whole like black philip thing was um to me on point so um well, and also at, at the end of the witch, when they're that that last scene where they're floating up in the air and they're chanting, they're they're chanting Enochian. Really? Yes, it's like the Enochian keys. It's it's one of the Enochian calls. They're they're singing in Enochian. That's what did it for me. I'm like, oh gosh, they, they did their fucking homework on this, you know? Yeah. Which is funny is that um, a lot of people didn't like both those movies, and I'm like, it's probably because you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like uh, it, I can see it being confusing to someone who has no idea what this is all about. So I, you know, with my, it's funny with me evolving. I, I'm I've been a horror movie fan since I was four, so I have like over like I don't know 400 movies or something. I'm, I'm like a, a, an addict when it comes to horror. But, like, during my evolving in the left-hand path, like, certain movies just start getting more of my attention because I know more about, you know, this stuff. So, you know, when I saw that movie, I was like, it was just kind of cool to kind of know what was going on in that movie. And, like, I was talking to my significant other, and I'm like, at the end of the movie, we are both, like, opening up the book and, like, oh, yeah. That's what that was. It was just, it was interesting. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with both of those films. And the thing um, that um, about the, – the thing that still bothers me about it, the thing that's still Hollywood about it is that the whole like – uh, storyline is is un- unveiled with like a series of like brutal murders so that's the only thing that bothers me about it is like the left hand path influence in Hollywood is always still portrayed as well they're gonna someone's gonna get murdered right someone's brutally murdered or, or destroyed by the left hand path influences now maybe they make it sympathetic like oh that person deserved it or something but still you know the reality of it is like that you know the left hand path practice is not actually about you know violence and stuff you know all the time yeah but i think uh on a metaphorical level when you're you have untamed energy i think it kind of shows it's like a a symbol of that yeah you know that that if you have untamed energy it can create bad things and you know you as a black magician there's always we always have that warning of when you're messing with this stuff, it can do certain things and yeah. it's, it, it's dangerous. So I feel like in a sense, it kind of was right. You know, if you're bringing certain things out and it, it's just showing it. So that I kind of agree with. It's certain other things that I'm like, like when, when they, I don't know, always use the inverted pentagram as, you know, that thing that's what kind of bothers me you know yeah i I watched a movie where it's like i loved the movie and then they had to bring the bloody inverted pentagram and i'm like i wish people would know what that symbol actually means right (laughs) you know what i mean like um it's always the sign of the devil and shit like that i don't know yeah the worst thing is when they use a right side up pentacle. Oh yeah, that's, now, that, like, that's when you know they didn't do their homework at all. You know, it's like what? Right. Uh, that, that, that's the sure sign, right? That that's the giveaway that they did no research at all about this. They have no yeah. idea. Yeah, it's like total total sophomore sophomore mistake. So, yeah. so, so, so we're talking about film now. So I have to, I have to back up now and I got to ask about, um, so you're into John Carpenter. What about the oh, film yeah. Prince of Darkness? It's one of my favorite films. Uh huh. All time. Why? But my, my, why? Yeah. Um, one, it's super intellectual how the Prince of Darkness controls everything around you. Um, it gets in you and then it, it influences everything. Like, I thought that that was awesome. Um, and p- besides that, I mean, John Carpenter is like just a genius. Like, he, he's a god of, he, he's a, a, a film god. I don't think anybody competes against him. And he's a musician so, too. Yeah. And like, I, I, we, I went and saw him play live on Halloween. Yeah. So did I. I saw him live in, uh, it wasn't Halloween, but it was in Houston a couple of years ago. It's probably the same time it was, I was on tour. Fucking amazing. But my uh, all time, all time favorite movie is In the Mouth of Madness. Okay. Um, which, you know, is a Lovecraft movie. Well, uh-huh. it's a town based on Lovecraft. But yeah. Like, he just, I don't know. He has a thing where he, um, I love mystery and horror movies. You know, like I, I hated Rob Zombie's version of Halloween because there was just 
too much bullshit. Yeah. It's like, I, you know, I don't want to know about any of this crap. So, what about his uh, devil's devil's rejects? Thank you.